Finding suitable mental health medications can be a challenge. The GeneSight test may help. Did you know that genetics can play an important role in gaining insight on how a person may respond to various medications? Understanding this may help reduce medication trial and error. GeneSight is a genetic test that analyzes variations in DNA. It shows how genes may affect someone's metabolism or response to medications commonly prescribed to treat depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. Visit GeneSight.com for more information. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models of automobiles, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other things, you know, like mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? At rockauto.com, you will save money. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Today on the Callahan Podcast, well, that was interesting. Joe Biden did a town hall on CNN, and what a mess. Good news is, he didn't tell any lies. He just had goofy little gaffes. That from the uh, Washington Post uh, fact checker. We'll give you all the highlights and lowlights from uh, Joe Biden's um, town hall. Also, uh, Joe Buck, an interesting confession from Joe Buck. Apparently, he and Troy Aikman uh, drink in the booth. (laughs) Another guy who confesses to uh, sipping a little tequila uh, at work. Uh, We'll give you the details on that. And uh, the biggest hypocrite on planet Earth. Earth is uh, formerly the richest guy, still one of the richest guys on Earth. Bill Gates wants you to eat synthetic beef to save the planet. And we'll ask the question once again, is anyone going to listen to Bill Gates? And uh, is anyone going to root for the Boston Red Sox? Is there a less likable team out there? We'll get into all that and more on the Callahan Podcast Today, brought to you by DCU. Do you love your car but hate your car payment? No problem. Refinance, refinance your car today with DCU, and they can help lower your monthly payment, lower your interest rate, or both. Applying is easy, and the loan experts will help you find the loan term and the payment that fits into your budget. Get out of that high-rate loan and get the interest rate and the payment you deserve from DCU. Learn more and apply today at dcu.org slash refinance, insured by NCUA membership required. All right, Colin. Let's go. This is the Jerry Callahan Podcast. You know, I was on the air in the morning for 20 years. I don't know if you, you guys heard that. Yeah, it was on the morning <laughs> drive. We were, uh, man, I was somebody. Um, and I was on the radio for 25 years total. And now I've been doing this for more than a year. And there's one thing I have not yet done in my career. I can honestly say I've not yet 
been drunk on the air. And I guess uh, it's a common thing, a popular thing. And I've known people who've been drunk on the air. We were just talking about a couple of them before we started recording. But I was reading this interview or listening to this interview with Joe Buck and Colin Cowherd. And Joe Buck's a big star. Joe Buck's a a play-by-play guy for Fox. He's he's in the booth for uh, baseball, for football with Troy Aikman. And he says he and Troy sometimes – indulge they have a couple cocktails while they're doing the games i mean i never heard it and thought they sounded kind of jiggy but uh apparently uh joe says they uh, occasionally get bored and order a drink but listen to what they drink tell me if you guys would like to do this one of these mornings um i've never tried this i've, I've had tried a lot of things but i never tried this he says we he says i'll say this we've had that glass of bourbon in the booth although it's not bourbon, it's tequila with a splash of Grand Marnier and grapefruit juice. Well, I've been through a couple of years where the first inning of every postseason game, I had the runner go get the biggest beer the stadium sold, and I had to sit there, and I would sip it and remind myself to relax and have fun. Now, um, that sounds like he might have a problem. What do you guys think? I mean, Grand Marnier, tequila, and grapefruit juice in the booth with Troy? Um, I'll give him credit though. He's never sounded like he's never sounded wasted. Never sounded like Harry Carey, but maybe, maybe I haven't listened closely enough. <laughs> let me, uh, let me, I, I read that article. I didn't hear it out of his voice. Let me hear this first. I want to hear him say it. I told Troy this. I said, every broadcast partnership has a different feel, regardless of who is the analyst. Al Michaels always feels like he's leading the broadcast. Tony Romo is the energizer to Nance. You and Aikman are different. You sound like college buddies. You sound like you both have a small glass of bourbon that you sip occasionally during the game. And it's an incredibly comfortable experience for me as a consumer. And I'll ask you what I asked Troy. How long did it take to curate that? It took longer for Troy and me to get there than it took Smoltz and I to get there. And and I'll say this. We have had that glass of bourbon in the booth uh, although it's not bourbon it's tequila <laughs> splash of grand marnier and grapefruit juice i went through a couple of years where in the first inning of every postseason baseball game i had the runner go get the biggest beer that the stadium sold and i had it sitting there and i would sip it from time to time to remind myself to relax and have fun i'm just doing a game and i brought that over to football but because troy is a man of finer tastes Beer uh, somehow <laughs> became tequila, Grand Marnier, and grapefruit juice. We haven't done it in a long time now, but it was good for a stretch. And I, f- hey, listen, wow, he, he sounds confident in it. He doesn't make it sound weird in any way. I like it. Yeah, um, and also, Jerry, tequila's come a long way since we were kids. Yeah, yeah. now you got Brady. One week they had Tom Brady and Bruce Springsteen drinking it. Now yeah. we can yeah. have Joe, Joe well, Buck and Troy Aikman. You're right. Yeah, exactly right. When we were younger, it was just a shot. We did the uh, lemon. Right. Oh, yeah. We're not talking. We're not talking Jose Cuervo. Disgusting stuff. Right. No. Like Patron is beautiful. Is like delicious, silky, um, silky. booze. It's really nice. And so it's not like when yeah we were drinking jet fuel and drink and eating the worms actually, which right, I did from right, tequila. Right. I mean, it was it was the shot. It was one of those shots where before you did it, you regretted it. You know, right. you hadn't even done it yet, and you regretted yes. it. Yes. You did it. You said that's going to burn a hole in my stomach and it's going to have me, you know, praying to the porcelain God in no time. But I guess, you know, I'll give, like you said, give him credit. He sounds like he's 
matter of factly saying we occasionally have a cocktail or a beer to relax. I never knew anybody did that. I'd, since, since I don't know, uh, uh, Harry Carey or maybe uh, Howard Cosell, I didn't think that was done in the booth because if you got caught, I mean, if people would be like, this guy's out of control. He's doing a game and he's pounding tequila. But they, but, they, but Jerry, never, it's they never more... sounded like they were drunk or anything. No, especially Joe Buck is such a straight man. There. Oh, that is surprising. But, I mean, his dad is from the generation, certainly, where they were doing it. Uh, Cosell and those guys were drinking during the games. Um, you, you hear radio guys, you know, supposedly, and this is not a contemporary name, but supposedly Wolfman Jack used to just drink glasses of vodka. Right. on the air right. so <laughs> that's how i got the voice um but uh and and buck is such a weirdo i've been mm-hmm. meaning to i've never read his book he's got a book out and you know he was promoting it so i never really had an interest but then i heard him do an interview and you know what he had the weirdest addiction i think i've ever heard i mean there are some weird addictions occasionally you, hear, you read stories about people who like eat pillows or something <laughs> and they and they just have this bizarre thing that they can't stop He's addicted to hair replacement surgery. Yes. I can uh, tell you that's it's it's a wonderful thing, hair replacement surgery, but it's not like fun. There's no fun in it. It hurts. I mean, you know, it's it's a long day, it's a it's a tedious process. Uh it's worth it. Don't get me wrong. And if you you know uh also like what what is there what does this addiction consist of? Isn't it a one time process? Maybe there's was, some maintenance to it, but like I what? guess it was for me, but you can go back and have them do it again and again if you want to, you know, get even fuller head of hair. But uh um I don't know, I gotta read the details, but I've heard him talk about it, how he got addicted to it and he kept going back for more hair replacement surgery. And there was two things I'm wondering why. I mean, you got he's got he I think he dumped his, you know, first wife or some young hot wife and We'll get to the uh, Dave Portnoy story later, but um, but addicted. Why you'd have to do that is beyond me. And then why you would admit it? I mean, I guess I can't knock a guy for admitting his bizarre peccadillos, but that is a strange thing to be addicted to. I don't know about you guys, but that's another thing I've never done. Never been back and had a, uh, a an addiction for hair replacement, nor have I had tequila during the show. But then again, I've always been a morning. Uh, host. Um, and even when I've done nights with you guys, with Cullinane, we did election night. We did uh, Super Bowl night. I was not indulging. I was, a, a, you know, it just, it wasn't that hard to just say I'm doing a show. I you didn't, didn't have a couple drinks during the Super Bowl? Even no, though you, no, you I, was, oh, uh, I was, I was, I was actually either. shocked at that. Because Mute had a couple of beers, but I, oh, I, 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 <laughs> but I was shocked, Jerry, that you, that you didn't have a few beers it, that, I mean, I guess the, the uh, idea is to either oh, have no, none or have 10. We did for that uh, debate night, the for last yeah. night before the oh, lockdown, right. we did the debate, the Bernie-Biden uh, debate, and uh, I had a few at the uh, Legacy Club. That feels like 10 years ago. Yeah, it does. I swear to God, I can't believe it. It's only a year ago. Like, Jesus. We did a broadcast, uh, a show from the Legacy Club, watching the debate, eating pizza and drinking beer. That's when America, that's back in free America. It feels like, like, like we're talking about red dawn here. And we're talking about when we were at school playing football and everything was normal. And now, you know, the Soviets army has taken over our country and we're all in lockdown still, but there's hope. There's hope Shattuck. I don't know how much of the uh, town hall between Anderson Vanderbilt and, uh, and, and Joe Biden you saw, but here, (laughs) Here's, here's what I'm, all I'm going to say is if you want to see, read, hear the great divide in this country, watch and then read 
the reaction to the um, town hall with Joe Biden last night with Anderson Cooper in a room full of uh, liberal Democrats just uh, just cupping the man and, 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 and servicing him and making him uh, attempt to, to make him look good. It was a mess. It was a mess. Biden was, uh, as expected, disoriented. He was not incoherent, rambling, lying in his defense when he was lying. I'm not even sure he was lying because he doesn't. He is clearly, clearly not fit, not up to the task. <laughs> and everybody knows it. And you're going to have this, 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 uh, pre, this pretend thing every once in a while where they say, you know, boy, he was relaxed. I, I had the thing on CNN. I left it there for like Don Lemon came on immediately after with a couple of, I don't know, a couple of hack uh, reporters. And they say, oh, he was comfortable and he was relatable. And unlike the last guy, he's just a normal guy talking. You know what he is? He's a normal 78-year-old with cognitive issues talking about the most important things in the world, the most complicated things in the world. And he just can't do it. It just, yeah. it's, and, and I, I was not laughing. I was not mocking. I was amazed how in over his head the man is already. It's been a month, Chaddock. What is this going to look like in two or three years? Yeah, I don't see a two or three years coming, but you're right about that. We don't see, we don't see anybody on TV as old and, uh, you know, in such decline. As he is. I mean, when's the last, maybe Dick Clark seven years ago or Kirk Douglas? I, I don't know. I mean, you don't see anybody who that General old. General Stockdale. R- r- well, right. I mean, although he was, he was loosened, uh, loosened, it's loosened, right? But, but he was just, um, uh, but he was punchy, you know, he wasn't made for that. But, but, but Biden, yeah, no, he is slow, slow, slow. And the idea, you know, that, that we're all clapping that he was with the first pups, which I call him, Jerry, I call him the first pups, the dogs, <laughs> like the media does now, too. Yeah. That's the only question I think they left out, Shattuck, is how are you dogs? One uh, of the questions was, Jerry, one of the questions the reporters asked was, we love your dogs. We love your dogs. That's a question now for the White House press corps. Will, will you bring us coffee next time? <laughs> right. I haven't seen it yet. We talked about it last week, and Tucker Carlson did a brilliant monologue about the media and how they're so far gone and so far in the tank. And he showed that video and it's just so uncomfortable where he's out there with his dogs and uh, Biden thinks it's Valentine's day, but it's not, it's a couple of days before Valentine's day. And she's putting up those stupid hearts, uh, Dr. Jill and the media is on the mic on camera. And they are doing these just humiliating, slobbering questions. And you're saying, have some pride. Have some. Di- I know you're in the tank, but you know we're watching. And the grown man who's got like a microphone and a sound and a camera guy, and he says, "We love your dogs." <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, did you watch yourself? It's like maybe, you know, maybe he had a couple of tequilas, like like Joe Buck doesn't remember. And then the woman says, "Could you bring us coffee next time?" And we'll bring the donuts. And Biden hands the coffee in the cup. To the woman and says, I haven't really touched it yet. And she says, oh, I can't. I don't have a mask. She takes the coffee, which she's already drinking and says, thank you. Right. And I'm thinking, unless it's like my wife, would you take a coffee in a cup from somebody else and drink it? Like, would you do that? No, it also had no top on it. And it's says, no, any senile guy handles, hands me a coffee. I'm, I'm good with, 
Um, but, you know, it, the worrisome part of that was, I mean, the press part was pathetic, obviously. But when he walked from the stone walkway on the grass, he was suddenly off balance. And the way he shuffled was Jesus. Like he, he needed a walker with the little tennis balls in the bottom of his hand. <laughs> yeah, okay. it is. Oh, I, I didn't even sorry. I didn't even have a taste. Here, come on. I promise you. I, I'm going to get in trouble. I don't have my mask. I give you my word. I didn't have any. Well, thank okay. you. I appreciate okay. it. Okay. All right. <laughs> See you guys. Thank you, sir. It's still wait, weird. Wait, 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 wait. He's just about to say we love your dogs. Keep it going, Colleen. <laughs> you got a nice pair of dogs there. I do. They're good love boys. That's good. Love your dogs. A grown man, a reporter for a network with a with a suit on and a real job and a camera guy. And he says, we love your dogs. It's just so embarrassing. And here's the amazing thing, Shattuck, is I always think even if you're in the tank for Biden or one candidate, like obviously they're in the, totally in the tank for Kamala. And, you know, in, uh, at the state level, we see the New York reporters who are in the tank for Cuomo. Even if you're like a total, complete, obsequious rump swab stooge, like a, even if you're, you know, Stephen Colbert or, or Jimmy Kimmel, just a pathetic Democrat operative pretending to do a job. Don't you have a, don't you reach the point where you say people are watching people could see me <laughs> know who I am. They can hear my voice. When I say happy Valentine's day, don't they hear that and say, people are going to wonder about me. Like if I were, I don't know if I was something, just trying to think of somebody I, I idolize, you know, like a, you know, Fred Lynn, I guess it'd be uh, Tucker Carlson. I, I like Tucker. I like watching him. If I were, around him talking to him my first thought would be i can't appear to be a complete stooge here i gotta have some you know dignity they don't even pretend it's it's amazing and well we can get to this because uh you and i uh, were texting about this after the damn uh, if you missed the town hall and you probably did it was biden shuffling around the stage like an old man that's what he does he walks you know he's there are other old people who don't walk. He walks like an old man. He talks like an old man. He looks brittle. It's a bad look for the leader of the world. But anyway, he's up there with Anderson Cooper, who's you know trying his best to uh, present a, a, a strong uh, image. And he's got a bunch of plants in the audience, and they all go up. It was first question was this young teacher who's like, you know, 28 years old says, I don't think it's safe to go back to school. We could all die. Do you want us to put us in a room with a bunch of kids and we could all get the, it's not safe. Is it Mr. President? And I'm going, Oh God, this is like 99% of the country wants everyone to go back to school. They find one plant teachers union lackey to, to ask a question. It's exactly what they were looking for. Uh, it, 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 you know, the next question next day it was all friendly Democrat questions or pretend. Yeah. I'm an independent. What are we going to do with the climate, Mr. President? I mean, they're just plants. Anyway, if you're covering this, if you're a media person, you have to understand that lots of people watching know you love the guy. They know you support him. They know you hate Trump. How about you project it? I don't know, an image that you're actually a professional. Is that a thought before they start you know, licking his toes? Well, Jerry, I mean... Uh, you obviously haven't been paying attention to the news because there was a huge story that dropped yesterday. That if you didn't notice that Jill Biden was in the sweet lobby um, cookie store wearing a scrunchie. <laughs> so she had a scrunchie on. One of the reporters oh. says, so part of what I never realized I needed was a flotus and a scrunchie. <laughs> another, 
Another uh, blue check mark says, Dr. Biden with a scrunchy ponytail buying chocolate is the normal I need from my Flotus. Who, uh, oh, who said that? This is Marisa Fitzgerald, and, and she's got eight other names. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a daily thing. Yesterday or two days ago, we did, it was yesterday, we did the uh, CNN reporting that um, Biden likes to have a fire in the fireplace in the Oval Office. And I heard uh, Dana Perino used to be a presidential spokesman. She says every president has a fire in the Oval Office. But you missed the point. Joe Biden occasionally puts a log on the fire himself, picks up a little Duraflame, drops it on the fire. That's an every man kind of thing. Trump never added a log to the fire. <laughs> Only Joe Biden. Who was the uh, who was the reporter on Twitter last night who uh, when when Biden did his vaccine, you know, uh, yeah, we'll get to, that's Greg Kessler from the Washington God, Post. Yeah, OK, that's a yeah, checker. But we did. Yes. We did the uh, there was three yesterday that we talked about. It was the putting the log on the fire. It was the love affair between Jill and Joe. Yeah. Which the reporter said was not only genuine, but restorative. <laughs> restorative. But, because but Jerry also, you know what? You know what's quaint and lovable about Biden? He likes to turn in on the early side. Right. You know, he goes to bed early. Yeah. Like, that's a good thing. So he is constantly fatigued, has to turn in early, and is always cold. Those aren't good th signs. Those are and, old people things. And while I think the number was 3,000 people uh, perished from the coronavirus, he was playing Mario Kart with his granddaughter, and he won. He's, he played. He was Luigi, and he won. She was much more adept at video games, but somehow he rose to the occasion. It was like the 1980 U.S. Olympic team. It was Buster Douglas all over again. <laughs> it was an incredible performance. He, he, he rose to the occasion and beat his granddaughter Naomi in Mario Kart. It just, uh, you it, just is. it was, I know it was bad with Obama. I know the media was in love with him like never before. But to me, it seems this is even more um, uh, embarrassing. Yeah. Because it's it's an attempt to not only, you know, purge themselves from the disdain that was Trump, but it was it's an attempt to prop up an obviously over over his head, uh, overwhelmed, frail old man who, you know, let's be honest nobody really voted for everyone either you know 80 million people voted against trump and he happened to be the lucky recipient of that but their they, their job when they wake up in the morning is how can we help him get through the day that's mm -hmm. your job if you're in the washington post or new york times or cnn or politico you wake up in the morning and say how can we help our guy get through the day yeah, and with the Mario Kart stuff, it's probably a silver lining, you know, that, that he wasn't in a real car because at this point, <laughs> you don't want him driving. But and, the thing about Obama, and you're right, Jerry, it, versus Biden, the attention to Obama was obviously it was disgusting and it was a total tongue bath night and day. He would go into the White House briefing room and they would swoon. They would laugh they, at what he said. And they would say, what enchanted you the most? Yes. What troubled you To the, the point most? where Obama used to get impatient with the press sometimes because he used to want to get a question so that he could pitch his messaging. And they wouldn't give him any questions because he was getting a massage. But at least with Obama, like there were some things that you could spin into positive fluff. Uh, you know, the guy could shoot a three-pointer. He did know his college brackets when he did that oh, stuff. He, he didn't know. He couldn't. Well, shoot. Whatever. You're, you know, he what, wasn't. He wasn't but, but, cognitive but the, decline. I understand. But that's what the thing. The problem is, is that with Biden, we're seeing him in terrible form here and saying 
incredibly incorrect, erroneous, and things that would have been called racist a few months ago. And we're pretend we're being all being gaslit by this media who's telling us, no, it's absolutely normal. Isn't it refreshing? You should be refreshed now that the norms are back and now we can be comfortable. All right. We, we got lots to get to, and including some of the, the greatest hits from last night. But the best one, without a doubt, was when he says, and I make this point all the time, is when you're a guy like this and you know the media will carry your water no matter what, or like Cuomo, you slip up occasionally and you say things that are so obviously untrue because you just figure you've done it before and they got your back and it won't matter and they'll explain it away and they'll uh, 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 move on. I mean, if it's, if it's Trump or if it's, you know, some, uh, if it's Ron DeSantis, they pounce, they seize. If it's Joe Biden, they say, yeah, just a little guffaw, you know, a little gaff. So last night he's talking about the vaccine at the, at the town hall. And he said there were no vaccines when he took office. He took office on January 20th. I don't know if you're aware of this. That's less than a month ago. And and immediately, everybody, even, you know, in, in Twitterverse, but everybody online is going, what? It's not only a lie, but it's just so easily uh, verifiable right. that you're going, well, and immediately people are tweeting out the picture of Joe Biden getting the vaccine in, in early January. He had both doses, by the way. They were doing a million people a day when he took office. And he literally tells Anderson Cooper, and I don't think Cooper followed it up, did he? Did he no. And he said, there was no vaccine when I took office. And you go, don't you have to pick your spots if you're going to lie about Trump, if you're going to lie about whatever? You, you can't be that blatant. So I almost believe the the fact checker uh, for what they, um, they need a new term for fact checker. It's like the... Uh, <laughs> The Washington Post fact checker, this Glenn Kessler's job, just like, you know, Snopes or PolitiFact, their job is to help explain away, you know, a little gaffe when, um, yeah, when, uh, when no, their they're, they're the Iron Dome defense system for Biden. That's what they are now. <laughs> the Iron Dome defense, the IDDS, we should call them. Here's Glenn Kessler, perhaps the most prominent fact checker. And I use that with the quotation fingers. He writes after this, and everyone jumped on this this lie. He says it was a verbal stumble, a typical Biden gaffe, as he had already mentioned 50 million doses being available when he took office. Ex-Trump officials should especially cool the outrage meter as it just looks silly. <laughs> and in this case, he's referring to Kaylee Mack and any one of millions of people who pointed out the lie um, and, and included the video. So it's silly to point out when Joe Biden tells a lie on camera. And you should just cool your jets because, you know, it's a typical Biden gaffe. So Biden, you know, when he says whatever, that he went to South Africa to get arrested, trying to visit Nelson Mandela. Is that just a typical Biden gaffe or can we call that a lie? Right. Well, in marching in the civil rights movement where he had to um, drop out of the presidential race and apologize for his gaffe. Uh, in 1987, I mean, he's got uh, Biden's the king of this stuff. So, I mean, of course, they have to bring Gaff back. But the media now, this is tough for them because they've all acknowledged that the vaccine exists because they need to acknowledge that to form the narrative that Trump screwed up the vaccine distribution. Right. So it has to exist for him, Trump to have ruined the distribution. So Biden's not where the media is. They've all moved. They've all decided collectively. Yes, we're going to say it exists. That way, Trump screwed it up again and screwed us again. He's killing more people, more Vietnams again. Right. Um, 
So how many? Um, what's his death toll? It's over what? Sixty, seventy thousand that he's killed. I just got to keep you know. That's keep a Vietnam. Uh, another, yeah, more than mm-hmm. Vietnam. But but there was a whole bunch of these things, and I used to watch, you know, Trump do it. Not a town hall necessarily, but a press conference, which he used to do. And those are you know a thing of the past. Presidential press conferences, they don't exist anymore. But uh, you know. What the heck? You know, it's good old Joe. What do you really need to know? He's doing his best. But I'd watch and occasionally hold my breath because Trump would occasionally go off the rails. He'd say dumb stuff. He'd wish. Mm-hmm. He'd say, don't we all miss Roger Ailes? He would wish Ghislaine Maxwell the best. He'd say crazy <laughs> dumb stuff. And I'd go, no, Donald, no, don't do that. It must be hard to be a complete Biden supporter, be a partisan and watch Biden and just hope that his train of thought doesn't go off the tracks. I mean, there were times last night where you're saying, just get through the sentence, Joe. Just don't, you know, don't well, say anything colossally stupid. Yeah. And he did a couple. I mean, did you see when, I don't even know what the question was, but when we started talking about interracial couples on TV, yeah. it was like bizarre. And I, another one where Anderson Cooper was sitting there going, he, he's ready to catch him when he falls. That's his job to help Biden get through it and find another Democrat, you know, in the plant in the audience to ask another softball question. And Biden, I didn't even catch the question, but Biden starts talking about today. What does he say? Two out of three couples on TV are interracial now? I'm going to say something's going to get me in trouble, which I couldn't go through a whole show without doing that. And that is that. Think about it. If you want to know where the American public is, look at the money being spent in advertising. Did you ever five years ago think every second or third ad out of five or six you'd turn on would be biracial couples? No, no, I'm not. I'm not being facetious. The reason I'm so hopeful is this new generation. They're not like us. They're thinking differently. They're not like us. (laughs) That was a question about police brutality or something. Police shouldn't police be more compassionate. He's talking about Every second or third commercial is a biracial couple, except for the Super Bowl. I'm fast-forwarding through all commercials anyway. Is, is that true? I mean, I don't even, I don't even know. I don't know. I don't count. But who's this, us? Like us? who's this us, by the way, <laughs> you, Joe? You, you're the one who came you? up with the criminal justice uh, mass incarceration legislation, not me. And He's the one who worked as a segregationist. I was he's the one who he's the one who kept Kamala Harris off of the school bus when she was just five. <laughs> I was that girl. Um, I'm thinking it's generational. So he's talking about him, uh, Diane Feinstein, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch uh, uh, McConnell, Milton uh, Berle, Charles, Charles Grassley, yes, <laughs> Milton Berle, Bob Hope, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Art Linkletter, maybe is that in there? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, Lawrence Welk, <laughs> he's not, they're not like us. And his proof that they're not like us is that two out of three, every second or third commercial has a biracial couple. That was somewhere, I don't know who's calling the shots with Kamala behind the scenes, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Jill or, uh, or, uh, you know, Jen Psaki, but they're backstage and they're going, whoa, don't do it, Joe. I was waiting for him to start. You know, talking about how the good old days. You know, when uh, I mean, I don't know what what show would he would he, would he have watched in the good old days. You know, uh, what sitcom? My mother, the car. What do you think his favorite? Sitcom? <laughs> Dobie Gillis. I don't know. It's something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Something around Christ. that time. 
uh, or, you know, talk about uh, you know, uh, Father Knows Best. You know, when we watched Father Knows Best, you know, what after dinner, they didn't have any biracial couples. Dick Van Dyke and his wife slept in twin beds. <laughs> those, those, they're, not, they're not like us. It's too bad they can't just let him go. Maybe one of these days he'll be trapped. Does he have to do a press conference or can he just never, ever do one? He doesn't have to do one. There's nothing in the Constitution. He has to do a State of the Union, and that ought to be a performance art. <laughs> oh, you're going to see a certain uh, female and a college kicker in that State of the Union, Jerry. No, that, My other- no she's been replaced by the next woman who's going to be in the NFL, that woman that tackled the, the peeping Tom in front of her house. Oh, yes. That, that woman is going to be the first woman in the NFL. Maybe she'll be there, but the State of the Union is going to be a trip. I don't know when he does it, but – I can't wait, but this was. Does so- um does uh, Kevin McCarthy get to rip the copy? <laughs> hey, um. By the way, another thing that that such a double standard is last night. You know, they always talk about Trump. You know, was cozying up to uh, Kim Jong Un and Putin and this and that. And Biden last night, not only he didn't just cozy up to Xi uh, of China, but he defended China's policy. He defended. I. I you know what? Here's where he's lucky. Uh, Shattuck, that he's kind of inarticulate and incoherent. He said, in not a very straightforward way, but he said that they have certain cultural norms in China. And in the same sentence, he talked about genocide. <laughs> he yes. It sounded like he was calling the genocide of the Uyghur Muslim a cultural norm. And I don't know if he could find this, uh, Colin I don't know if it matters because it's almost a uh, um, he said this before. The gist is that they need to form unity in China, and sometimes to do that, you have to use coercion. And if coercion means concentration camps and you know a, a one-child policy, whatever it means, if that's what you need to do to shape order in your country, then well, I mean, you can understand that. Biden is a big sympathizer with China. I didn't hear as a glowing tribute to Israel, though. No, well. Is Did they get a phone call? No. Well, maybe Kamala will call them or maybe some undersecretary or assistant deputy vice uh, chairman of the uh, Homeland Security will call him. But he's not going to call him. There's there was a video, uh, tweet I saw sent out, which is bizarre. It is Kamala Harris on the phone and it's an old fashioned phone with a cord, you know, and she takes a picture of herself with a serious look on the phone. She says, just talk to him, uh, Macron of France. We discussed uh, issues in the world and, and climate change. And uh, and I'm going, that's supposed to be a president. That's what a president does. They send a picture of themselves on the phone at the Oval Office at the desk. And they're having her do it. And they're not hiding it. She's talking to world leaders. She, the woman that didn't get a vote in the primary that was rejected out of hand by Democrat voters in every state. I mean, didn't even make it to Iowa. She was so unpopular. She's now calling world leaders to discuss climate change. But he must have been like cupping the phone saying, why is this lady laughing so hard during this conversation? That's all she does is laugh (laughs) during the conversation. Uh, Who who is this? Who is this? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, but you know the important thing is uh, uh, the the Joe, Joe was busy, I guess. So how do you think you're a world leader? You're Emmanuel Macron. 
and I, you know, I'm not good enough for the president. I get the vice president. I, I never got Mike Pence in four years. I never talked to Mike Pence, but I guess we should give him credit for being honest. I know that uh, Joe is not up for it, but it was, I, at first I was hesitant to flip on the, the town hall. Of course it was against Tucker, but then I started watching it. No, it was against Hannity. I started watching it and uh, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. It's a, it's like a, uh, like a sitcom. Everyone has a role. The questions are all pre-planned and planted and they're softballs. And Anderson Cooper's got love in his eyes. He looks at Biden and said, his goal is to help him get through this. And they made it to the end and there's a big sigh of relief. And then they go to the post-game show and everyone says, wasn't he just folksy? He just felt like your old uncle. You just felt comfortable with him. Jerry, the adults are back. (laughs) Decency is back and civility and Real love, you know, in his tone, the way he speaks, it's about his tone. His tone, it's almost uh, patriarchal. It's something about it is very comforting to people. You can trust him. Yes, like Andrew Cuomo's tone. You know, he had a very deliberate and slow manner. We can play the answer on China, although again, it's kind of convoluted. Um, But do we have Joe Biden talking about his conversation with President Xi? You know, Chinese leaders. If you know anything about Chinese history. It has always been the time when China has been victimized by the outer world is when they haven't been unified at home. So the central, to vastly overstated, the central principle of Xi Jinping is that there must be a united, tightly controlled China. And he uses his rationale for the things he does based on that. I point out to him, no American president can be sustained as a president if he doesn't reflect the values of the United States. And so the idea, I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong, what he's doing with the Uyghurs in western mountains of, of uh, China and Taiwan trying to end the one China policy by making it forceful. I, I said, and by the he said he he gets it. Culturally, there are different norms at each country, and they their leaders are expected to follow. Culturally, culturally yes. they have norms to follow, which include um, putting millions of Uyghurs in concentration camps and sterilizing them and raping them and forcing them to make uh, sneakers for LeBron and, and Colin Kaepernick and all the Nike guys. But hey, I like it how he establishes at the very beginning, this is going to be vastly overstated. I mean, that's an odd disclaimer to have. What I'm going to say is going to be wildly uh, inaccurate, but here I go. Very, uh, you know, it's it's to oversimplify. If you know anything about Chinese history, what do you bet? I mean, he he, there's probably like kids in fifth grade that know more about Chinese history. And I'm not blaming him. I mean, he's got he's busy at home. I mean, he's what he knows about China is how he can help Hunter make millions. That's what he knows and. And as far as, well, right. as, far as he, I can tell, he's pretty good at that. You would think that considering there are a half a million dead Americans right now because of the Chinese, the virus that came from China, yeah. and the mismessaging and misdirection they did you know, purposefully at the beginning and using and, and sending the WHO on a wild goose chase when they could have just been forthright with, with the facts of how this stuff was spread and how many – how what the spread looked like in China. You know, they were they – were, they were happy. China was happy to send flights directly from Wuhan into JFK, right. directly from China into San Francisco, well into this period when we were being uh, – when they knew that it was going to be deadly for us. It and is. There's amazing. nothing – there's no sanction. There's nothing. There's amazing. just that – Not well, only know, that, he signed an executive order that says you can't call it the Wuhan, Wuhan virus. It's like he's afraid we'll hurt 
their feelings. They killed, yeah. you, know, you know, according to, to simplify it, they killed a half a million Americans and our president's worried about hurting their feelings by calling it the Wuhan virus. It's just, it is amazing when you look back how little uh, there is in, in terms of pushback, blowback, repercussions for the country that sent this deadly virus here, destroyed our economy, cost us trillions, cost lives, just ruined business. And we don't even say a word about, you know, you you a-holes, look what you did here. No, <laughs> they're also weird. taking command of the South China Sea, closing uh, waterways to other, for trade, et cetera, which costs a lot of money. I mean, if, if China were to shoot down an American plane or, or, or shoot or sink an American battleship or carrier in the sea, you would say, that makes sense. They've been working up to this. That makes sense. This aggression has been, you know, coming for a long time. So these people should be seen as a threat. China is not an ally. We're becoming in the way of China's fortunes right now. And the, uh, of course, and they're, but they're laughing at us. They're laughing. Oh, at totally, us. totally. They're going know, to our colleges and then going right. back home with all the knowledge. They're paying cash up front for these to Liz Warren to be educated, and then going right back home. And we're, you know, we're sitting here worried about, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, who's what? What the? I like the scrunchy. We're been, worried about what the host of The Bachelor said as he <laughs> defended a woman who went to a party, and they're getting ready to, you know, close off the South China Sea and kill a million of their own citizens because they're uh they're focused on taking over the world it's just so there's just such a vast uh divide here and uh they're thrilled at the our new leader who says hey it's just cultural norms so they've got people in concentration camps cultural norms hang on hold that thought i got to talk about our new sponsor govx.com that's g-o-v-x.com as we all know, uniform professionals sign up to serve causes greater than themselves. If you've ever served in the military, law enforcement, firefighting, or frontline medical communities, you are eligible for free membership in GovX.com, the greatest online shopping site for Americans of service like you. Your job demands a lot from you, from deployments to long shifts and the dangerous situations most people don't have the courage to face. There's a reason why GovX believes service-minded patriots like you deserve special recognition. GovX.com delivers the deals on all the gear you need for your on- and off-duty life. Register at GovX for instant access to discounts on epic brands like Oakley, Yeti, Garmin, Vortex Optics, Benchmade, Danner, and more. The site was built exclusively for the men and women who serve our country and communities. That's why every month, GovX supports nonprofits serving the military, first responder, or law enforcement communities. We don't just thank you for your service. We honor it. Signing up is fast and easy and totally free. Become a member today and use code Callahan for $15 off your first order of $50 or more. GovX.com. Savings for those who serve. All right. There's a few other things to get to here. Shattuck Hell, there's a lot to get to. I have a question for you guys. Mm -hmm. I used to, we used to use this expression about uh, certain people we worked with. And I think you can, you'll, you'll understand. Do you ever meet somebody, you know, someone and you call them the dumbest smart guy, you know, it's like somebody who's well-educated is, is whatever, very uh, advanced in their whatever line of work. And they just don't, they just do dumb things and say dumb things. And you go, either the dumbest smart guy I know or the smartest dumb guy, one or the other, but they usually just, don't have street smarts. You know what I mean? That's, that's one definition. Yes. I've, I mean, it's just the opposite. One of my best friends has got a lot of street smarts. He finished 
657th in our class, in high school class, <laughs> and only 640 people graduated. He, he, he finished behind people that didn't graduate somehow, but he graduated and he's done very, very well for himself because he just couldn't do schoolwork, but he could do, uh, you know, business and he's done great and he's doing great. And, uh, we would call him the smartest dumb guy, but the dumbest smart guy in the history of the world. I'm going to nominate now one Bill Gates, obviously mm. smart in his way, obviously a software genius who a, a business genius who's worth 130 billion. One was the richest man in the world, obviously smart, but in at the same time, obviously a friggin' moron. He's coming out with a book now, and I'm going to guess people in Texas are just rushing out to the book. Well, actually, they're not rushing the bookstores. They can't drive. Their streets are shut down. They have no power. But when they can, they're going to rush out to get Bill Gates' new book on climate change and the existential threat we're facing from global warming. Uh, the headline, the, the book is called How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. Can you think of anybody in your life, forget five or ten people, anybody that would want to read Bill Gates, a guy with a 48, just paid, bought a $46 million yacht, uh, beach house, uh, oceanfront house in San Diego, owns another house that's worth like $100 billion, uh, uh, has a 640-foot yacht, I believe it is, is attempting to buy it to the largest private jet company in the world, has admittedly one of the largest carbon footprints in the world writing a book telling regular normal people working people that they have to start eating make-believe meat to save the planet is there anybody just in in your life i mean i know you know some liberals i know you know some dumb people who would read and dare and get lectured by bill gates about how they have to change their life to save the planet it's just this is just divide. He's just an idiot. Well, there's a market for saying everything the West does is bad, certainly. And that's the kind of book if you're a good liberal on your Zoom call, you want that scene in the background, that you're the kind of person that would have that and read that because you're extra good, you're a virtuous person. But Bill Gates, although, I mean, Jack Dorsey's up there, at least Bill Gates showers, I think, which is something over Dorsey. But uh, yeah, a no, lot of I, these guys, are, if you ever study what Bill Gates was when it, it was when he was just starting Microsoft, he was a antisocial, odd nerd. He right. had no. Well, he, I, I've seen the stories when he was in high school. He'd spend like right. ten hours alone programming. Yeah, early he, computers, one of those big, huge computers, and he'd just spend all day on it, immersed in it. And and and, and I understand that part of his brain works very well. But he literally—I I saw the interview with Anderson Cooper, Anderson Vanderbilt, um, and as somebody pointed out this morning. Um, uh, Gates is worth 130 billion. Uh, Anderson Cooper is worth 110 million. The heir to the Vanderbilt throne. We know him. He's like American royalty. The two of them sitting there on Sunday night on 60 Minutes, talking about how this is the greatest threat mankind has ever faced, and talking about solutions. One of them is we have to stop eating beef. And 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 you no, know, if we're going to stop eating beef, that means we have to stop. You know, cattle farming, raising mm-hmm. cattle, and and you know, I assume I don't know what happens to in you know, McDonald's and Five Guys, but he just wants to put them all out of business. Ooh, sounds because like a we, recipe for a food apartheid, Jerry. There's there's never been a greater divide between these ro- this royalty, these these aristocrats, 
and normal people. I know people, uh, you know, who work for a living. I don't know anybody who sits there, gets up on a winter day and says, damn, we have to do something about this climate disaster. That's what John Kerry says as he boards his private jet or his, his yacht. They see the hypocrisy and they say, normal people saying, this guy is full of crap. Why would I ever believe him? Now, there are people that, you know, walk the walk, you know, that, that don't fly private jets or fly or don't, you know, whatever, eat meat because they think it's going to save the planet. Do, do you have any doubt that this guy, the 10 minutes after he tells you, you have to start eating synthetic beef, will order, or order a double you know, double cheeseburger from uh, from five guys? I mean, they don't believe what they say. They no, don't absolutely. Because you just go back. That- What's the company that was going mainstream for synthetic beef? Weren't they? Wasn't McDonald's buying it and potentially putting it in and using? I mean, they call it the Impossible Burger. Is that a Beyond? Isn't it Beyond Meat beyond or beef? something like that? Yeah, something he's like that. Biggest, I get, farm, he's the biggest farm owner in the United States. Uh, like six hundred and fifty million farm acres he owns, and he wants to end cattle farming because cow, cow farts are causing the world to end. And he says it so. He says it's the great. It can. It, we can do this. We can eliminate greenhouse gases. It'll be the greatest achievement in history of mankind. And you sit there and you go, you, you, you do nothing, do nothing, to show us that you believe that. Do nothing. In fact, I don't know how many houses he has, but I think the one I looked up the one in uh, Southern California. It's fairly new. It's the biggest house on the water. It's on. If you really thought. The seas were rising and the world were ending. Would you buy an oceanfront mansion? Would you, you know, would you do all these things? Fly private, have a right. have a have a bunch of SUVs pick you up at the airport. Would you be, you know, have six or seven houses? Would you have one of the biggest yachts in the world? If you thought <laughs> this mattered, Jerry, you forget when you're somebody like me, you can't be expected to take a boat to get your award, and you can offset it with carbon offsets. So the, they oh, can right. buy their way out of the climate change disaster with carbon offsets. But, no, this is all about you and me. Like, real real people like us, we have real people problems. Like, I, in my driveway, I have a burnt orange Dodge Caravan that's dented, that's 10 years old, that's, like, barely running. It shakes if it goes over 35 miles per hour. So that's, like, a real problem that I got this piece of crap in my life. <laughs> so I can't really work on green hydrogen theory right now. You know, I got real stuff going on. People in the country, of course, now half the country has lost heat all of a sudden. You know, as they look at these picturesque wind farms that are at icicles at this point, you know, people have real problems. Really, billionaires have to go find problems. So whether it's go do climate stuff or or try to fly in the ionosphere like Branson does and all this other stuff, I would, they're I would bored. Love, I would love to take like a, you know, a year off from climate crap. Just leave me alone with the yeah. I mean, we've done amazing. We've lowered our carbon emissions more than any country that was in the climate accords that we were out of. You know, as I say all the time, when we were kids and, and uh, you know, you're not as old as I am, but Shattuck, people used to litter, you know? Yeah. People used to put, you know, crap in the in the rivers, in the Boston Harbor. We've done amazing things, you know, eliminated, you know, the, the, the pollution, cleaned the harbor, the rivers. Mm-hmm. People don't, you don't go behind a car and see them throw out a bag of McDonald's. And they used to do that, or cigarettes. 
That's not the way it is anymore. People, it is a cleaner planet, a cleaner country. Right. Well, even, even if you did still do that, as long as you can open up the checkbook and offset it a little bit. That's good. Or no, even no, if no. you did still do it, it doesn't mean the world will end. We had that moron AOC, I think two years ago, saying the world will end in 12 years. Uh, a week later, Bernie Sanders went up there and says, we have eight or nine years before the world is going to end. That's six years from now. If you look back at the things Al Gore, the greatest huckster, the greatest flim-flam man in American history, P.T. Barnum would be jealous. He's got a mansion in L.A. Oh, yeah. like in Malibu. He flies private everywhere. I mean, he's made hundreds of millions of dollars off this con game. Well, um, and just in back, theory- he, he predicted the end of the world by like 2000 and I don't know what it was, 2000? Yeah. The world was supposed to end six times over since Gore made those predictions and cashed in with his, you know, movie book and everything else. And I don't know why Bill Gates needs to even write a book. No one's going to read it. And even if they do, they're not going to follow his uh, his orders to, to eat only synthetic beef. Synthetic beef. People will laugh at that. So we got to get rid of beef. Yeah, that move is on, though. That move is on. I get uh, hundreds of letters to the editor from all around the country. And, you know, they're sourced from the, some single office in Washington, D.C., probably talking about needing to switch to synthetic immediately right now. It's going to be the end to terrorism. It's going to be the um, it's a way to find social justice avenues, finally. And it's the greatest thing in the world. It's just it's symbolic, absolute symbolic right. crap. But you're right. I mean, we, like, we were all we're all against pollution. Remember the clouds over L.A., the smog in L.A. was a bad thing. Remember acid rain was melting the statues. So we had to, you know, change it. What acid rain? Is that still a right. thing? No, it's not a thing anymore. What happened the, the, the hole in the ozone layer? The return on investment has uh, declined with those things. But, you know, it's funny. Like, without fail, though, and this is an old, this has been a haggard thing to mention, without fail, every Earth Day in Boston, trash was left all over the place. Right. And they all felt, no, we're, we're doing a really good thing here, so F it. I'll just throw my stuff around. I never, I, I never understand that. I don't understand how good liberals and and good, believe it or not, Jerry, I've done five k uh, races. I've not at the pace that uh, you would expect a an athlete like me to do it at, but I have. So every year in Winchester is this five k that that I that I do, or, and every year everybody throws their cups all over the place, and I'm like, this 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 town is the most liberal, progressive town in the world. You can't hold your freaking Dixie cup in your hand for ten feet to throw it in the garbage. And but but my point is always so. What if you do throw it on the ground? How does that end the world? You know what I mean? How does it end the world? So they had to go from you know littering and polluting to something causing the the sun to you know, get hotter and melt everything. I guess that's what we. It had to be existential. That's what we needed. We needed to achieve a level of existentialness. And here we are. If we don't start eating synthetic beef. The cow farts will cause the sun to burn the world and, and we'll all die. And nobody believes it. They keep saying it over and over. And I mean, I mean maybe somebody does. Maybe there's some crazy liberal belief, but nobody actually believes it. And then you have a day, a week like this, where the state of Texas is frozen and people are dying because there's no electricity, no heat, no power. And you're going, this asshole is sitting there telling us. We have to change our lives and drive different cars and refit our homes and not use plastic bags or we'll all die from the sun. And you go, you know, try, try, you know, try selling something else. You know, you want to sell right. some other, you know, you want to scam me, come up with another way because this right. is not working. Well, if next year I'm at uh, Acme Climate Company 
created a laser that could bring the temperatures back down, that could level off global warming, do you think they would be, you know, satiated at that point? No, no. and I, I always say, go back and look at the headlines, and you've done it in the 70s. Yeah. But all the time in Newsweek and all the, you know, New York Times were warning that the great global cooling was here, the great, the next ice age. We were all mm-hmm. going to die because of the ice age. And 10 years later, it was, no, it's global warming, and no one bought that. And then they came up with climate change. So if it were, you know, really hot climate change, if it were really cold climate change, if there were no storms, climate change, if there were lots of storms, right. climate and then it won one uh, uh, emergency, uh, one disaster fits all. That's what we came into. And I just watched right. some of the some of the Bill Gates, Anderson Cooper interview with these two rich, pompous, elitist a-holes and said, who are you talking to? Who is buying this? Maybe. You know, well, at least Anderson Cooper asked him, like he said, are you the right guy to. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Are you the right messenger on this? Because you fly private planes a lot and you're creating a lot of greenhouse gases yourself. Yeah, I probably have one of the highest greenhouse gas footprints of anyone on the planet. You know, my, my kind of personal flying uh, alone is gigantic. Now, I'm spending quite a bit. Uh, to buy aviation fuel uh, that was made with plants. You know, I switched to an electric car. I've used solar panels. I'm paying a company that actually, at a very high price, can pull a bit of carbon out of the air and stick it underground. And so I'm offsetting my personal emissions. Those are called carbon offsets. Right. So, you know, it's costing like $400 a ton. It's like $7 million. So you're paying $7 million a year to offset your carbon footprint. Yep. What, what, the, what the hell are you two doing? You two are doing that. Jerry, I, it's- I, I think I speak for everybody. What? F you. You know, go screw you. I love it, seven, though. The guy's worth $130 billion. And he spent $7 million to take the carbon and put it in the ground. He's not inconvenienced in any way. Imagine, way like, imagine somebody at home. I always think back to this, like just the average person who's just watching that interview because 60 Minutes is the biggest news show on Sundays. And they're just watching him be like, no, yeah, you're right. I am the worst fucking person to be spearheading yeah. this movement. I have, I have <laughs> one of the biggest yachts in the world. I have a fleet of private jets, but I give $7 million for offsets. And people are going, what? Yeah, you don't, live, you don't walk the walk or, uh, at all, at all. I mean, you're the biggest hypocrite. I was trying to think of somebody who's a bigger hypocrite. Maybe well, John Kerry. Yeah, John Kerry. But you know, John Kerry's yacht is 75 feet. Uh, Bill Gates is 600 feet. I mean, I don't think even think Kerry's in. Uh, Bill Gates has has life rafts as big as Kerry's yacht. So. That is the biggest hypocrite in the world, and but I, I feel. If t- you ever, if you ever didn't think it was a religion, he's bragging about his tithing, is what he's doing. Right, right. You know, and, it, and it, but, but you know, him. This, the jet fuel, the exhaust from the jet, is we're told damaging to the atmosphere. His weird, bitcoiny transaction of an offset that doesn't do anything to put a bandaid on the hole he put in the atmosphere. It's just it's crazy. It's, I, mean, I drive electric cars. I bet he has a million. I probably has like 30 of them. And electricity is made from what? Coal made from you know fossil fuels for the most part. We've gone, we've heard all the numbers from Texas. They're still 75% you know, fossil fuels and like 10% wind and solar, which is the problem right now. Uh, but 
it doesn't matter. I mean, the guy's living like a king and he knows it. And somehow, yeah, I have the biggest footprint, but I'm trying. I'm doing my best. I'm eating a synthetic burger. God, it's just how, how anybody, how one person right. could listen to him and say, I'm going to follow. I'm going to do what he says. Not what he does. I'm going to do what he says. It's just. Yeah, but also, it. you look at Elon Musk, at least you can say, well, who's Elon Musk? Well, he's the guy who makes the rocket chips that actually land right back in the platform. At this point, Bill Gates is the creator of Bing, you know, the worst <laughs> flop of a, a search uh, tool ever. And if you look on a desktop, I mean, I get nauseous if I see Internet Explorer icon on a desktop now. I don't I wouldn't trust anybody who would ever use it. it you know, All right, well, I, that's a Harvard guy, right? Bill Gates was a Harvard dropout, right? Like all the smart guys like, right. like uh, um, Zuckerberg, Harvard dropouts, all. Uh, but um, the dumbest thing. In Harvard history, I'm going to get to one second. I'm going to tell you about Shea Concrete, and then I'm going to tell you something that will you, you'll you'll lose faith in Harvard University uh, if you haven't already. But this is for you homeowners and home builders. Did you know that Shea Concrete has a huge selection of precast concrete steps? Of course you did. I've been telling you about these guys and what they do for a long time. Trust me, these guys are the best, the best in the business. Whether you're building a new home or you need to replace an old staircase, Shea has great values with designs for any home available in concrete. You can customize your steps with beautiful stone, granite, or brick. A new staircase can dramatically upgrade the front entrance of your home. In most cases, they remove the old stairs and have you walking up your new front steps within hours. And just like that, your house looks better and it's worth more. This isn't an expense. This is an investment in your home. You pick out the steps. You sit in the window and watch on some cold winter day. They will do the rest. They'll put the new steps in, and you will be thrilled. Trust me on this. You can learn more about Shea's Concrete Steps at SheaConcrete.com, or just give them a call or stop in and visit and see what they got to offer. That is Shea Concrete. All right. This I had to read twice. This is so ridiculous, but I was – um. I stumbled across it yesterday on uh, online watching, you know, the town hall and online. It says, I'll just read you the lead to the story. It's about a new Harvard study. A new study from Harvard University asserts that reparations for black Americans could have reduced the number of COVID cases. <laughs> yes, that's right. A study, part of a report by the Lancet Commission on Reparations and Redistributive Wealth claims that the disparity in COVID cases between black and white Americans is due to structural racism and argues that reparations for black Americans would have decreased their COVID risk. <laughs> I guess it, I, uh, the good news is it's too late. Uh, I think we're you know, past the, 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 the worst of, we're through the worst of it, but uh, in several variable in cities, it cites several variables, including that blacks would not have been forced as frequently into high-risk frontline work and increasing the ability to access masks and hand sanitizer. So if we gave out reparations, which is hundreds and billions and billions, then they would have had more masks, black, black Americans, more masks and more hand sanitizer, and COVID wouldn't have been as bad. <laughs> Ah, this is just this so is who gets the reparations if you're if you've just uh, immigrated here from africa a a, yes. a year so, ago do you get reparations right if you're a uh if you're a a, a, a um, descendant of uh, a civil war 
soldier for the North who fought and died to free the slaves, your family must pay Barack Obama's family. You got to, you know, you got to send a check to Barack Obama. That's reparations. And if you did it, we wouldn't have nearly as many COVID cases. I mean, doesn't somebody there say this is a little bit much, guys? I know we're, you know, trying to, you know. Well, it's also, Jerry, uh, just being, if you were just looking. Qualifications, credentials here, but this is a little nuts. And also, it's just crappy programming. Really the same thing, the same argument. It's like it, I mean, it's like if you guys on the sports show talked about the the um, what's that called the the what's the big stone statue of everybody of of the Roosevelt and Washington and Mount Lincoln? Rushmore? Yes, the route Mount Rushmore sports, <laughs> the most haggard you know sports topic you could ever use, the most hacky thing you could ever do. Yes, it is. That is a slow day right there. <clears throat> yes, but it's like they, they do that every day. Let's do this. Everything's racist again topic today everything's racist again topic again the 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 west is terrible again topic doesn't it get boring it's the same thing Uh, maybe this maybe this is setting us up for if you don't pay reparations there'll be another a variant of covid that will uh, attack black people or uh, people of color it's just it's so silly you can't even read it with a straight face but the good news is shattuck two out of every three commercials on tv (laughs) now has a biracial couple yeah, uh, you know, man, man, come on, man. It's Which just- is good because, you know, the uh, Hispanics aren't all the same, aren't a monolith like the blacks are, right, right. Jerry, which are completely the same. <laughs> Another Bidenism, but hey, that that was just a gaffe. You know, typical well, Joe. <laughs> during the pandemic, Jerry, it's a black person who has to stock shelves. Right. You didn't know. Right, and and it's a white person who's a teacher and doesn't have to go anywhere, gets to stay home on a 12-month vacation. But uh, I just wanted to point out that silliness, and we got to get to this before we wrap this up because I often wonder who's the biggest dick on TV right now, on cable news or on network TV, and there's a lot of – I know you like Jake Tapper. I know you're a big <laughs> fan of Chuck Todd's. But can we agree that Joe Scarborough is the biggest a-hole out there, that he is – blinded he was blinded by his hatred of trump because trump made fun of mika they used to be buddies yeah mika and joe helped get trump elected then they turned on him he turned on them and they hated him so much that they would just rage and they still do and they can't they don't want to move on to biden or move on to anything they want to stick and talk about trump's insurrection and trump killed us you know the trump killed the cop which is a lie we're now learning anyway we're going to get to that maybe tomorrow we'll get to the list of questions. I don't know if you saw Byron York, uh, the he's Fox News guy, and he's a Washington uh, examiner. Examiner, yeah. He has a list of questions which he submitted to the Capitol Police, and they're great questions. Mm. It's all, you know, what happened, Officer Sicknick, and why did you, uh, you know, we, can we see the medical report and you know the injuries? 140 injured cops. How many of them serious? How many guns were confiscated? I think it's zero. I think it's zero. But he's trying to get all these yeah. answers. And hopefully he does, because it's there's so many questions. To me, the biggest question, and I'm not sure if it's on his list, but why they open the doors and let him in? Is I mean, can someone answer that for me? Why did the Capitol Police literally open the doors and say, "Come on in"? Who told them to do that? Yeah, it's bizarre. It's Will actually, we ever have that answer? I don't know. I don't if, know. If, if I could get one answer, well, I'd like to know what happened off for Sicknick too. Yeah. Wasn't hit with a fire extinguisher, wasn't beaten, was texting with his brother later in the night, 
and ended up keeling over and dying. And you know, there was an autopsy, but then they cremated them. And we don't know what they learned, but we hopefully we'll find out because it's kind of important, isn't it? Yes. Kind of and the question you ask is important, too, because if you watch the footage of the guy with antlers and the other beaver pelt people walking around, they were surprised to be in there. When they got into the well of the Senate, they're like walking around like, I, I don't know. Um, and the security guy's like, hey, don't break anything, okay? And he's like, no, no yeah. problem, dude. We're says, just walking well, around. The security guy says, can you not go up there? That's like the sacredest place in the whole building. Yeah. <laughs> but those guys that, didn't expect to be in there, but they that, walked in. That guy's still in prison six weeks later, the Viking man, and he's, yeah. you know, no bail. Get his organic food, but didn't yep. get his bail. I want to know what they're going to charge him with. Like trespassing is going to be hard to put him away for life, which everyone wants to do. Did you see the other story? I don't know if people have seen this yet. It's just breaking. But the Antifa guy, we talked about him early on, mm -hmm. who was leading the charge. John Sullivan's his name. He's a little punk who was at arrested a number of uh, arrested at a number of Antifa riots. He was leading the charge on January sixth. He was right next to Ashley Babbitt when she was shot dead. Um, that's another question. When are we going to find out the cop who killed Ashley Babbitt? Uh, were there any disciplinary actions against him? A lot of questions, but we'll wait and we'll see if Byron York gets some answers before we get to Scarborough. Um, well, that guy also Sullivan, provided all of the footage for Congressman Raskin's harrowing video. John Jerry. Sullivan sold. He had an iPhone out when he went through the you know Capitol, sold his videos to CNN and MSNBC 35 grand each. This punk made 70 Jesus, grand. I didn't know that. Wow. For being right next to Ashley Babbitt and videotaping. And he was on CNN as a guest. He was leading the way. He was screaming, let's burn this place down. Yeah. So clearly, I don't know how many Antifa guys, but there was one and he was an, he was a, an agitator. He was causing some problems. And, and when Ashley Babbitt was shot, he had his phone going and he sold the video and made it. I was wondering, like, does guy have a job? He doesn't need a job. He's got CNN and SNBC to to bankroll him. But he's, hopefully, Jerry, he's a freelancer, really. Real. Yes, he's making more than most journalists yes. I know in one friggin' day. <laughs> yes, seventy grand for turning on his iPhone. And I, I know he was bailed out. I'm not sure why. Some guys who trespassed are still in jail. Other guys got out that day. But he's an Antifa guy, and they never get kept in jail. They always get out. So he got out. Sold his video. He's doing great. And he'll probably be on, you know, with Chris Cuomo. When the rest of the world's talking about Andrew Cuomo, John Sullivan will be on with Chris Cuomo talking about the harrowing experience inside the Capitol. Back to Joe Scarborough. He, this offends me. Not many, I, I should say, it upsets me. It doesn't offend me. But this uh, just drives me crazy when these people, to make the January 6th riots look worse, point out that the capital is a sacred place. It's a much more special place than anywhere else. So all, you know, the police station in Minneapolis that burnt to the ground, you know, that's not a sacred place. No. All the, all the stores and the businesses and the restaurants that got destroyed, the, the auto zone that got burnt to the ground, the Wendy's in Atlanta got burnt to the ground. People owned those things, right? They invested their life savings in those things. They, people worked there. They were burnt to the ground. No big deal. As Maura Healy, the attorney general of Massachusetts said, those fires, that's how forests grow. <laughs> that's what she said. She supports Antifa and BLM burning businesses to the ground because that's how forests grow. Scarborough dismisses all those businesses. And there were, 
There's almost, uh, I think the number's up to $2 billion in damage done by Black Lives Matter and Antifa rioters who burned businesses to the ground, ruined lives, killed people. You know what though? You know what Joe Scarborough calls those things, Shattuck? Taco stands. Those are taco stands. The capital is sacred. By the way. Jerry, I think you're being a jackass by saying this, according jackass. to Scarborough. Right. So, so you break windows at the Capitol. Not good. I'm against that. I mm-hmm. want those guys to pay a price, be held accountable. You, you know, throw a bunch of papers on the floor. Maybe you, uh, you know, kick over some stuff off a desk. That's bad. Scarborough thinks that's worse than burning Wendy's to the ground, than, than, than beating uh, a store owner in Kenosha, who tried, a 74-year-old store owner, beating him unconscious because he tried to protect his store, burning an entire car dealer, every car right. in the lot to the ground. Somebody owned that place. Somebody's life savings is invested in that place. But according to Joe Scarborough, that's not sacred. That's just a taco stand. I know they're idiots on other cable news channels that will, will say, well... You know, this mom and pop store was vandalized uh, during the summer riots, and that's just as bad as the United States Capitol being vandalized. No, no, actually, no, no jackass, it's not. (laughs) The capital of the United States of America is the center of American democracy. And while I am a fierce believer in people's right to defend their private property, I'm not going to confuse a taco stand with the United States Capitol. I'm not going to confuse the selling of tacos with actually moving through a constitutional process that is laid out in the United States Constitution. Oh, oh. I, I, he replaces Chris Wallace as the guy I would most yeah. like to punch in the throat. There are so many people whose businesses were destroyed. Hell, you, 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 if you look hard enough, you could see them, hear them. There's stories that, you know, restaurants... And 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 uh, you know, bi- small businesses, um, the, uh, the the people who owned, you know, the car dealer and the yeah. uh, and the auto zones and all the places that were just destroyed and their windows smashed and fires set, they're taco stands. According to this dick. Well, also, they, taco they stands burned the capital of the ground. I might have a uh, you might have a, right. a case. They didn't burn it to the ground. They burned businesses to the ground they caused two right. billion in damages yes and that's a taco stand according to this a-hole the capital was up and running hours after the uh violent armed insurrection jerry armed insurrection but a taco stand for somebody is the livelihood of them so it's important to the community stops it's probably the I, only I source of income it's, it, the, this country is made of taco stands you right. know it runs on the, that's the economic engine of this country is small businesses so taco stands are something, and all these small businesses are—they're absolutely more sacred. The, the 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 Capitol building is not a sacred place. It's a place where elected people go to pass appropriation bills for Planned Parenthood. It's not a sacred place. And if it is, so the women uh, that marched into the into the Capitol, right onto the Senate floor during the Kavanaugh hearings, and disrupted. That's worse than anything that happened in Kenosha too, then, right? Because they trespassed and they disrupted this sacred place, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. So that's so, worse than the per- people who burned restaurants and 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 you know burned uh, auto parts stores and 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 pawn shops and taco stands. Right. Exactly. Even if even if you thought that when you say it, you sound like such an elitist a hole. It's like, don't you understand? These were people's lives. 
people's livelihoods and you dismiss them as taco stands. God, how does right. that so David Dorn was some chump guarding right. a taco stand, you know, right. yeah. he wasn't doing something important like, uh, you know, you know, working at the Capitol building and, and, or. Uh, so he got shot in the chest, but, you know, AOC had to put on sneakers to run, I mean, which is worse. AOC is a congressperson. She had to put on sneakers and run for her life. By the way, another question that isn't on Byron York's list, I need to add. My congressperson, Ayanna Presley, said definitively that the panic button in her office was removed before the riots. She said it like, yeah, they removed this panic button, which you press if you need help from the Capitol Police. Someone physically ripped it out, took it out before the riots, like it, it was an inside job. And then she said, I believe on the same day that there are white supremacists in the Congress working with her, members of Congress. And because she's a freaking lunatic, nobody ever presses her. Nobody ever yeah. says, so can we see? if Even if you were the Boston Globe and you have no ethics and no standards in journalism, but you might be curious and say, do you mind, Congresswoman, can we see that spot where the panic button is supposed to be where they ripped it out? No, they just report it and say, "Ooh, these crazy white supremacists took the white took the button," and and now she's got to work with them in Congress, and nobody presses her. I understand she's not really doesn't have a lot of credibility on the national level because she's kind of a joke because she's kind of insane. But if you make a charge like that and you are a sitting congressman, the media has an obligation to follow it up and say, "Did they really rip out your panic button?" And leave you vulnerable to the to the mob? Did they really, or did you just make that up? And you know, just like with AOC, who said she was in the Capitol hiding in her office when she wasn't, when she said they were outside the door, all the crazy uh, white supremacists when they weren't. It's just like, yeah, it's her. She's nuts. Let her, you know, just take it with a grain of salt. It just amazes me. That yeah, no, you're right. I mean, so that's so she's suggesting there's an active threat there in the Capitol. Premeditated right. before That's they the capital, someone tore out the panic button. If that were true, Shattuck, that'd be a huge story. And everyone knows it's not true, and they just say, well, that's Ayanna. She makes stuff up occasionally, you know. That's just the way she is. No, the Antifa uh, guy, cinematographer guy who took all the footage, he essentially wrote the narrative of this, that it simply was a QAnon and white supremacist attack directly launched by Trump and don't think any more about it, but just watch the pictures. And that's what the whole impeachment presentation was. Just be emotional about the pictures. That's right. it. Don't think any more about it. Don't look at the details or anything. That's and, supposed and, to be and, and repeat over and over insurrection, insurrection, right. insurrection. And that's what they do. If you watch CNN or it's just over and over insurrection, they tried to overthrow the democracy. It had to be the only unarmed insurrection in the history of modern, you know, in the modern world, a bunch of guys went in there with, uh, you know, flags and, and goat horns and said, we're going to take over the government. Sure. They were, but anyway, yeah, you don't so steal a podium in a coup, you know, <laughs> that's not how it, how it works, but you're right. You would think an enterprising reporter, although they'd be, they'd be shut down by their, their editors in DC would say, you know what? I'm just going to look into this. Ayanna Presley stuff. You know, maybe I'll look into some of these militias and just see what they're exactly about. Why they went to, to, to anything, but they're not looking into anything. They just want it to be Trump's own coup. Trump launched this attack. You know, three years ago, April Ryan did a forensic investigation into Sarah Huckabee Sanders' pies that she cooked. 
<laughs> suggesting that maybe it wasn't the real pie that, that, right. that Huckabee Sanders hadn't made this bake this pie. This could be a false, uh, you know, false false flag operation. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It is. I mean, even if you were totally in the tank, I say this all the time. Don't you have a shred of like journalistic integrity or dignity left? Knock on, and you're in D.C., you're in the Capitol, knock on Ayanna Presley's door and say, can I see where that panic button was ripped out? Oh, no, I can't. Okay. Can you just give me one or two names? You said there are white supremacists in Congress. Who are we talking about? Now, she probably would answer it and say you're talking about Marjorie Taylor Jones, Green or, or uh, Lauren Boebert or something. She would probably, even though there's no proof of that, even though it's a real scurrilous charge, she might answer. She might say Ted Cruz. She might say Josh Hawley, but you got to ask it. I mean, I know that if you're the Globe, your full-time job is protecting her and propping her up. But if you're the Herald or if you're a TV station or maybe a national reporter from wherever, from uh, you know, national magazine or website or Politico, you can't say, excuse me, Miss Presley, can you show me the panic button? Oh, they put it back in. Well, that's nice. Anyway. Jerry, they're covering um, Major in the Oval Poffice. The, oh, gee, Major and Champ. Yes, the first pups, as reporters have been tweeting out. We, can can we isolate that, Colin? I want I want that drop for a future reference. I just want, we love your dogs. We love your dogs. I'm, I got it for you. <laughs> we love your dogs. <laughs> All right, Shattuck, we got to go. We got to go. That is Tom Shattuck from the uh, Burn Barrel podcast and the Lowell Sun. And- we, need to, uh, we need to pump up the Burn Barrel, Jerry. We need to pump it up. The only reason I want to pump it up is I want to know what it's like for a husband-wife duo to produce content. Like when, a, when the husband goes on a rant like Joe Scarborough does on national television right. on a successful show, Rico must be insanely turned on as that's going on. <laughs> the only I always... <laughs> The well, only person who has that opportunity is Shattuck right now. We got to pump him up so we can know what that's like. But look at the poor, this poor wife. She's got to look at him going yeah. on a rant. I mean, sweating and <laughs> every time they show Joe, just like you just did just now, when you show Joe going yeah. on a rant, I always, my eyes are drawn to Mika to see if she's like rolling her eyes going on oh, this idiot, you know, because usually when Scarborough's ranting, it's senseless, stupid, like just now about the taco stand. But maybe you're right. Maybe it's foreplay. Maybe it's. Oh, uh, it is. It is. You think definitely. she's got her hand on her? He's got his hand under the desk, like reaching over. And it's. I don't want to. I don't want to assume anything. I want to pump the burn barrel up. Yes. Up to a hundred thousand an episode, so we will know the Ooh, following day what it's like. Because Shadow can go on his rants too. He can win some of those. I like that. Plus, I got buns of steel, so I'm uh, looking better than I ever have. Yeah, don't ruin a good thing. Don't ruin it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get. Yeah, we gotta. You gotta get. So there's a lot of these additives, and you know these super beats yeah. and these kind of things you got to get you know involved with some of them because you know you are a uh, a workout warrior and there's got to be some someone who can uh, underwrite the burn barrel podcast that's just you and you I, I was on it before but now it's just you and your wife it is well and sometimes a guest yes indeed you still have guests or is it just you and your wife it's because me and my wife usually. Sometimes we have guests here and there is it let's just get that out in the open then is it foreplay ever is it is it ever a foreplay uh, I would say, how could you look at me, Jerry, good- and not consider it an yeah. on-ramp to a romantic <laughs> interlude? 
Do you lock the kids in the basement when you do this? No, the, yeah, that's the problem. Is the kids are a factor here? The yeah, they swarm yeah, in, Jerry. Have that for they yeah. swarm in and, and screw up the cameras and and screw up everything. And usually that's when it's time to uh, call it a night. But uh, yes, right. it is not perfectly performed, unfortunately. All right, when you're done with this podcast, you can listen to that podcast, the Burn Barrel Podcast with Tom Shattuck. What's your wife's name again? Alice. I'm sorry, with Alice okay. and Tom Shattuck. Uh, and uh, you can uh, check out the little son too, and uh, you'll hear him again here soon. Thanks. Come back tomorrow, yeah. Jerry. I like this now since there's a, we're in a uh, we're in a sports desert. What, what happened to uh, you're in a sports what? desert? Suddenly, uh, we're we're calling the fat guy up north a little more often. Not getting happened? all sorts of love. What happened to Turtle Boy? He said no, he had in I didn't say you were in tomorrow. I'm coming back every no. day. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, Boy had, on, on Twitter, Turtle Boy has said he has a story that will blow our minds. It's the most incredible, and he hasn't revealed it. So yeah, but his up, no, but his story. He said, isn't it his I, story? It's his story, but no. somebody has been harassing him. A villain, yeah. he said. Yes. And uh, we know about the villains, and maybe it's the same villain, but we'll we'll get that. We'll beat that out of him uh, in one way or the other because it was a great tease. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. And, you know, you're right, Shadow, because it's a slow day in sports. Although, you know, the big headline is Joe Buck gets drunk. Troy Aikman and Joe Buck get drunk in the booth. Yes. Which I don't, no problem with that. I'm going to be listening differently now. I'm going to be listening for the ice clinking in the glass and listening to hear if those two get a little jiggy because we now know they get, they get plastered during their broadcasts. But you know what we didn't get to and we'll do it tomorrow because it's more of a visual and we need, you know, we need uh, to uh, get the video of Portnoy's new girlfriend. Oh, yes. If, hmm. you, if you don't, if people, if you hate Portnoy, you don't, you're going to hate him even more now because he's uh, dating a Philadelphia Eagles cheerleader and there are pictures, there's photos out there of her. And uh, man, I thought he was riding high when he, you know, sat down with the president, but he just took it to another level now. And uh, unbelievable year for Dave Portnoy, just this yeah. winning the year of 20. Uh, well, yes. good, good last year in general. Right. This is the guy that, you know, was handing out paper, newspapers outside Fenway, gambling rags outside Fenway. A few speaking, years speaking of Fenway, by the way, my because you always ask me, Dave, what did we miss? Uh, we have a lot of Boston police that listen and support this podcast. Come and get me. That was me running on Fenway Park. Come and get me, people. I'm right what? here. Come and get me. Well, they sh- there's video of two guys, two like college kids with face masks, which is nice because that's important, running on the snow on Fenway. And it's like the cops are looking for them. I'm like, why? Who cares? All they did That's was, what I was going to say. Who gives a shit? They had they, a little fun. They, 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 the field, they goofed around. They took a few pictures and video, and they left. And like the cops are trying to find them for what? That's the best publicity Fenway Park has got in years. It's the only thing people are paying attention to in that. I, I joke that how do we know that's not their new you know left fielder and your new new uh, you know shortstop? Because I don't know anyone on the team. Could Jerry, did, did, the- did, did you go down there to see the? Uh, Truck leave from Jersey Street down to of Florida. Course. You think I'm going to miss that? Of course. My <laughs> Actually, yeah, today is now. today's pitchers and pitchers oh, and catchers, Jesus. right? And it's the I day. Can't, I can't believe I used to be there for this. And we would literally sit in the in the booth, and they would bring up players, and we'd sit there and go, "So, champ, how you feeling? How was your off season?" <laughs> I mean, I can't believe we thought that was good radio, right? I mean, I guess the team was good, and they had players people knew. But can you imagine? Interview You're sitting in a booth, coach? just absolutely miserable, and Dan Roach is giddy as hell down on the field. It's amazing. I, I I had a weird approach. I used to want like listeners. 
How could you expect any listeners if you brought up and I can't even think of a damn player. You, Raphael Devers. Hey, Raphael, you look like you're in good shape. Did you work hard in the offseason? What do you What do you hope? What What At what spot in the order would you like to hit? It just seems so irrelevant. And nobody likes the ownership, the management of this team. Nobody, you know, loves the Red Sox right now. They need no. To, the, you know, the only salvation back then was that Lucchino was edgy, yeah. and you and you guys would go at it a little bit, and he was good. Right, he was a regular guy, normal guy. Now you got these elitists. I mean, John Henry's like a like a little little Bill Gates, you know, just an elitist, yeah. pompous guy who looks down on people who they have no respect for their own fans. We know that every time someone makes up a story about you know a racist fan chanting, they believe the 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 player the, who made it up. They don't. They don't trust their fans. They don't respect their own fans. We defended the fans every time someone, you know, like uh, Tory Hunter would make up a story, make up a lie. We would defend the fans and yeah. the ownership, the management of the organization would side against their own fans. And to me, how you can root for a team like that is beyond me. But, oh, you totally. Know, but look we'll at the get, culture, we'll, Jerry. You had you have Bob Kraft sending the plane, you know, to China to grab N95 masks and just flew a bunch of nurses down to the Super Bowl. You know, where's the? I didn't see the Red Sox truck arriving with PPE. You know, no, they would never do that. They wouldn't give a damn. You know, they. Uh, but whatever, we'll see. Maybe you know, maybe they'll sell the team, and maybe you know things will change. But right now, nobody cares about them. Nobody's going to be going to spring training just to watch them run the the get over drill or watch them, you know, run you know, sprints in the outfield. Those days are over, and couldn't happen to a better bunch. Uh, hopefully, eventually they unload the team and we can uh, you know we can root for them all over again but right now hard team to like anyway let's leave it there shattuck this is the callahan podcast i'm jerry callahan and we will talk to you again tomorrow you promise your child they can be anything they choose they promise to follow their dreams our promise is to help you save for college today and every day worry free YouPromise.com lets you save extra money for college by doing the everyday things you already do. Link any college savings plan with a free YouPromise account and watch your child's dreams become their future. Sign up today at YouPromise.com for a $30 welcome bonus. Start now at YouPromise.com.